Hi, I'm the Aiel Sept that named themselves after the actress that was in Legally Blonde, Jindo Cardellini. Dalen. And I am your everyday Aielman that's having the craziest day of his life, Eric. And I am Master of the Deck, the member of the Stonewolf Sept of the Beefcake Aiel, and uh, I'm ready to have a great night. I'm here for that too. Eric, you will soon be joining the Church of Stonewolf. Um, and welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series. And as Frank Sinatra once said, so this is it, our final curtain. Um, this is the season finale of The Shadow Rising. We have conquered this book over the past four months, and now we have reached the final uh, five, four chapters of this, and uh, what a great bunch of chapters. Uh, Eric, what did you think overall? Like, what is your general impression from these chapters? Yeah, well, uh, you know, one of my critiques kind of uh, recently has been that we've had a formula that we've kind of stuck to the last couple of books. It's always kind of, you know, it's hit these typical uh, story beats. And this one totally threw that out the window. It scattered some of our people a little bit. They are growing a little bit more personally and singularly. Uh, and honestly, this book, I think, has set up more for the upcoming books more than the first three have set up this one in particular. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for some of the uh, big implications uh, that are happening. Yeah, because this book really, it doesn't have that, like, boom ending that the past three books have had. I feel like Eye of the World, Great Hunt, and Dragon Reborn have hit, uh, ended on, like, a little button. And this kind of ends on a sort of, not open, it's a sort of more open ending. It, it definitely is one that, that makes me excited for the immediate future of the next book. Because especially when we get to the ending piece of it all. Uh, there's a lot I can visualize, and there's a lot that I'm excited to actually see happen. Uh, so I'd say my excitement at the end of this book is probably a bit higher than the other ones before it uh, because of that. So, yeah. And it's also a funny coincidence. I was talking to Master of the Deck a little bit earlier. You are also on your reread of Wheel of Time, and you've just recently started uh, The Shadow Rising yourself. Yes, I did. Um, I, I had grand ambitions of finishing it in time for your podcast recording. <laughs> Bitch, those those people are still in the stone of tear. Ain't no way I was going to finish <laughs> that. So I skipped ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all fun and games until you get to the spanking chapter, and then it's all downhill from there. Oh, I literally started that today. Oh my god, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pretend that this didn't happen, and that like Paul and Perrin were were having sex and trying to be quiet about it, and that's what happened instead. See, Eric is. I'm glad I have another. Um, I am. <laughs> I am the acolyte to your priestess of the Stone Wolf. Uh, church. church of Stonewolf. Yeah, and so ever since we started this podcast, I would tell Eric, I'm like, Gaul is fantastic, and Eric's just like, okay, I believe. Literally, who is this person? Yeah. <laughs> Why do we care? Sounds like everyone's having a great time. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. And so I figured uh, 
Shadow Rising is a great because we get to see more of Gaul and we get to see a lot of Perrin, and so this is prime shipping material right here. I mean, come on. Yeah, I agree. I think the Shadow Rising is like you know the chef kiss moments for Gaul and Perrin to be sure. Yeah, but, they make sure they make sure to give us some uh, some beefy close ups on them them beef boys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I meant to ask this earlier, but. Um, do you want to kind of give us your history of going into the Wheel of Time, how you discovered it, and all of that? Sure. Um, I read the Wheel of Time for the first time in 2017. Um, I have only ever done the Wheel of Time on audiobooks, and the reason that I fell into it was that I had recently started listening to audiobooks because I would drive to a summer camp that I taught at every summer. And it was like, you know, it was only like a three or four hour drive, but I was tired of listening to my same old playlists. Um, and so I had audiobook credits expiring like the next, uh, the next year. So it had been like six months since I listened to anything. And so I like put out a call to some of my friends like, hey, I have this credit expiring. I should get an audiobook. What should I listen to? Um, and I find, I think I had maybe three or four people that I trust that recommended um, The Eye of the World to me. And so I grabbed it um, and it took me a while to finish that book because I got distracted with like fanfic and stuff, you know how it is. Um, But then when I did finish it, um, it was probably, it was maybe early February of 2017. And then I was done with the series um, by mid-April. Nice. So it took me, it took me, Oh no, sorry, by mid-March. It took me just under two months Holy to to go through the whole thing. And then oh I, God. Uh, I I harangued my sister. Um, I was like, you need to listen to this series, like, immediately. You need to do it. She had actually uh, read the first four books and, like, crapped out during The Fires of Heaven. Um, and so she started listening to it. And then because she was listening to it, I started listening to it again. And so I listened to it twice that year, the whole thing. Oh, my thing. God. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a lot. I don't have kids or a dog or like a spouse or anything, so I, it's pretty much just reading. That's what nice. I do. Yeah, she. Um, so I'm trying to get Eric. We are getting Eric into Stormlight, and then we are also getting Eric into Malazan, which is yeah. A... So we love this. I've got a bit of a queue building up. It seems. You know, <laughs> it's that's the struggle. And you don't get any input on this, Eric. You are just gonna <laughs> do it. Because I'm very much trying to get Eric into the Fires of Heaven next. <laughs> you know, I feel like Eric should probably do that. Yeah. It sounds like he'd have a good time. Which I'm curious to see, uh, uh, kind of like as we do our postmortem towards the end, uh, if, you, if uh, your big prediction from last episode still holds up. Oh, yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be specific in, when revisiting yeah. those. I feel like I've made so many. My brain is mush. Um, but I think you. <laughs> but yeah, no, master of the deck. I'm with you because I finished books four to the end of the series in eleven months. When I was like, oh, it's gonna take two years, two three years to finish this entire series. It picks up and it starts. It starts hitting like. Like, after a certain point, we start leaving the old world behind and start really picking up. And Fires of Heaven is a big example of that. But I figured, let us dive into this because we got a doozy. That's what we're here for. 
exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's. So chapters. Uh, God, I should have this up. Fifty-four and fifty-five both deal, but are both closers of the Nynaeve and Elaine in Tanchico, and I forgot how intense these two chapters are. And so, Eric, what did you think of the whole? closer to that especially the confrontation with Mogadian, because that's i mean yeah uh like i said one of the things i was impressed with the ending kind of chunk of this book is it sets up so much that we're going to see later and there's a bit of these you know these promises that we're making and uh Mogedian for sure is one of the more top tier uh ones i can't wait to see again in action uh but between that uh, and kind of the context of this chapter within all the others, uh, this felt like the most like visceral uh, fight, you know, like like action heavy. Like the, the other the other chapters we're gonna see in a bit seem to have like bigger set pieces, but this was just easily the most intense couple of chapters at the end of all this, in my opinion. Yeah, because Nynaeve one of her big things is she can't channel unless she's angry. And it's one of the things that's kind of a chip on her shoulder, really. It's one of the things that fuels her anger a little bit and why she kind of lashes out a bit about, at Elaine, at Egwene, and all of that. But that fight with Mogedi, you're right, it is very visceral because, you know, versus the fight between Rand and Asmodian, where it's like, these are two, Rand's face forsaken before. You know, he's faced Bilal, he's faced Ashamayel, Aginor, Balthamel. He's even faced Lanfear. Nynaeve has never faced a Forsaken before. And so it's this, it's the scale of these two battles. I think Nynaeve, who, you know, has faced Trollocs and Murdral and all that, but it's another thing to walk into a battle with a Forsaken who knows a lot more than you and can easily just tear you apart. But there were two things in that fight that I read and I went, ooh, I need to ask Eric about this. So as they're fighting, uh, should have bookmarked the page. Um, the first, um, Mogadian is kind of doing, as most Forsaken like to do, uh, her monologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, she- <laughs> She gets a full. It isn't such a villain monologue. She gets a full <laughs> three-page monologue of like, "Hello, yes, it is me. I'm sure you're surprised that I'm seeing here. I'm being." Yeah, it's it's pretty much an instant classic in my books. I mean, the the <laughs> Forsaken are like pretty cringe, but like I felt like this was executed actually kind of perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, but something is Bond villain to its key oh, right yeah. here. We've progressed past Scooby-Doo villain, and now we're here at Bond villain. Oh, yeah. So, Mogedian says to Nynaeve, I think I will take you with me this time. I know, I shall keep you for a live mounting block. You will, you will be brought back out to kneel on all fours so I can step from your back to my saddle. Or perhaps I shall give you to Ravine. He always repays favors. He does have a pretty little queen to amuse him. Any idea of who the pretty little queen will be? Honestly, no. Uh, it's all empty up here, but that was one of those things that like, I picked up on and pretty much was like, ooh, this is going to be... My fingers are crossed that it's an absolute bombshell down the road. Um, it was a detail that, that stuck out in this chapter, but 
honestly no predictions here it's just something that i'm so excited to be revealed hey i mean like there aren't that many well i, I say there aren't that many queens that we know of right now who do we mm. know of what are the queens uh, of morgase and westlands tenobia i mean barrelane too i guess like oh, yeah. i mean mogedian probably wouldn't give a shit uh if she was a queen or first or whatever the hell um but yeah i mean so Borderlands, have... that's some spicy territory. Andor, oh, yeah. also spicy. Mm -hmm. And then, mm -hmm. shit, I mean, Berylaine's been flashing her titties all over this tone of tear, so, you know, like, uh, that could be problematic. She could. She has been jiggling her way around, and you know what? <laughs> she jiggles, and I can't blame her, but it's Robert Jordan's favorite. Oh, no, hell no. Pity, titty power. She breasts boobily through the stone of tear. <laughs> um, but there's a quote that, no matter how many times I read this series, will make me laugh because it's like it's just like the action music is swelling. It's so intense. And then the description, uh, when they're both channeling, Nynaeve notices, a man who came in then, or any woman unable to channel, would have seen only two women facing each other across the white silk rope from a distance of less than 10 feet. Two women staring at one another in a vast hall full of strange things. They would have seen nothing to say it was a duel. No leaping about and hacking with swords as men would do, with nothing smashed or broken. Just two women standing there, but a duel all the same, and maybe to the death, against one of the Forsaken. And every time I read that passage, I ha I, I, it reminds me of this meme. Um, uh... So if you'll go to the Eric, this channel is safe. Um, every time I think of the passage of Nynaeve and Mogedian dueling, I just think of this. Um, <laughs> if you guys can't see the image, it is um, a man and a woman just staring at each other. It's from RuPaul's Drag Race. That's most of my references. As, I was about to say, like, this feels like some RuPaul bullshit right here. Oh, yeah. It was, it's fantastic. But that's all that I can think of. And... Um, so Nynaeve and Mogedian are battling and one of my favorite things about Nynaeve is that she chooses violence pretty much when she wakes up in the morning and so exactly. she takes uh, the sad collar of the male Adam and chucks it at Mogedian <laughs> it is phenomenal it is a oh my god it's the equivalent of just like tossing her drink in her face you know <laughs> oh yeah it's like it's chef kiss it's I, I, I have to agree with you, Dalen. I love this moment and this mental image that is conjured here of like the elevator music playing in the museum and you're just walking through the exhibits like, oh, that's a cute giraffe. And then like, yeah, those women are staring at each other. That's fun. Yeah. And then, you know, you just wander on by like with, you know, with the snack cart or something. And there is, meanwhile, it's like, you know, back to the epic battle music. That's what I would love in the show when they get to the Tanchico arc is they just need to acknowledge that, like, Mogedian and I need that. And then a servant's walking by, like, and just keeps going. And then, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. That would be, like, the easiest production pitch ever. Just like, hey, boss, I know how we can save on special effects and stay very true to the book description so the fans will love it. We don't have to do anything. Literally, we don't have to do anything. All we got to do exactly. is just kind of just have them just stare at each other, you know? <laughs> it's great. It's really, it kind of shows that really Nynaeve 
could have just won the last battle. All she really needed to do is just give the Dark One a stare down. Um, I would put that away, Eric. Nine Ave wins the uh, last battle. <laughs> I, would, I would say, like, this is peak character for me. Uh, for her and I love it and one of the things like taken away at the end of the book there is a I do want her to uh, you know kind of figure that control over the power a bit but I don't want to lose these these moments these saucy fiery moments I love them so much Uh, so to be gifted one last one by the end of the book was was a real treat you know what I reading this I'm just reminded that Nynaeve is a straight-up brawler oh yeah like Every time she comes, whether she's using the one power or, um, you know, in this case, you know, physically, she is ready to cut a bitch. Oh, yeah. You know? Where she thinks it's to raw. herself, like, you know, once that, once she's able to, you know, get it done, she's like, why isn't she trying to punch me in the face? That's what I would do. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, Nynaeve. That's exactly what we should do. I When in I, doubt, kick him in the dick. Oh, yeah. Punch her in the tit. So Nynaeve manages to get the Maelodon and the Seal to the Dark One's prison. And as she's walking out, one of the Black Sisters sees her and just begins blasting her with uh, Balefire. That Balefire oh, no. rod was not, like, phallic <laughs> oh, at all. It was, ex- you know, big, bright, white light. Exploding and, and expelling a, a substance. At the end of the a rod, you know. <laughs> Robert Jordan having a phallic uh, fascination? Nah. <laughs> In my fascination. In my wheel of time, never. Um, but do you think we're going to see Mogadian in uh, Fires of Heaven, or do you think we're kind of because you have been talking about how Fires of Heaven is going to be a mostly two rivers, Manetherin centered book? Do you think we might kind of get a parent heavy book in Fires of Heaven? Yeah, I think we're going to stay pretty uh, separate as we have. You know, I think Rand is going to be on the move and join up with somebody at the very least. But I think everyone else is going to be kind of on their own uh, kind of gig, kind of like the same way the Fellowship, you know, split up and they all just got taken there uh, certain ways. I think we're going to see kind of the same thing. So definitely think it's going to be about like the same balanced ensemble approach. But okay. I, I think they're just very much going to be more on their own than they ever have been. All right. Um, I do think there's going to be a bit of there, there, there's got to be like a bit of a reunion because a whole book apart is a long time for these for these little rascals to stay apart from each other. So I'm hoping there's a reunion in there. Uh, most notably, I'm, I'm hoping Rand goes back to the two rivers. I really want that Rand and Tam reunion very bad. Mm, we all do. We all do. I I will I will play some. Uh, right. I'll play some uh, uh, cats in the cradle. <laughs> when that moment happens. Oh my god. You know, what was also nice about this book is we got introduced to two Forsaken and they didn't immediately die. Mogadian no. lives another day and Asmodian is still changed. Yeah. Uh, if anything, this is why this book actually stands out a ton for me because, yeah, they they get introduced and they're sticking around for the next book, man. That's yeah. uh, they, they, they broke the cycle. But I think that makes them a little bit even more intimidating because while Mogedian is prideful and did her Bond film speech, she managed to get away. And right. as we see by the end, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but um, as we see by the end of the book, Asmodian is now vibing with Brand. Yeah, right, right there, front and center. 
I don't know if Asmodian would call it vibing, but... <laughs> Asmodian would say yeah. he is not passing the vibe check right now. Oh my god. Vibe check. Vibe <laughs> check. Vibe. Shields you. Uh, You've been summoned to the house of vibes oh for my a god. vibe check. Um, but yeah, no, it, I noticing this, I'm like, oh, right. We're now kind of dealing with bigger threats because... It's the first time we're really seeing, well, okay, we've seen a Shamael and Bilal. But, but yeah, it's interesting seeing a male Forsaken fight with Rand and kind of, like, really go for it without this, like, Asmodian doesn't really give a speech. He doesn't really do the whole, he's just like, pew, pew, pew. But it's revealed he's Jason Natal, which is, you know, you, I think, picked Hadnan Kadir. I think I got some some of them mixed up, but uh, it, it was definitely one of those reveals of like, ah, son of a bitch. Yep, yep, of course. Um, and then uh, Lanfear <laughs> is was was Kylie the whole time. Mm-hmm. Which, like, which I have to say, that's a power move right there. I think she specifically says, "What you thought I'd be afraid of wearing a little fat?" And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes girl, we, we stand." That's my bitch stand. right there. No, but the entire time that we met. Stand, stand fear. <laughs> oh my god, that's the name of the episode title. Stand fear. That's great. Um, no, but I love um, the like when the traveling party get introduced. I was like, all right, I want to throw Eric off. So when the big reveal happens, he's like, oh. And so the entire time, like throughout these episodes, I've been like, so Hadnan Kadir, he's pretty shifty, huh? But, like, all the evidence was stacking against me. Because, like, looking back, as much as Jason Natal and Kylie were focused on Rand and Matt, it's like, okay, no, that makes sense that they're Lanfear and Asmodian. I tried. I tried. No, I've, I've, I've definitely been, you know, hurt and jaded by these books now where I'm just <laughs> suspicious of everything. Uh, so when something does happen, it's just very much... Uh, in, 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 you know, hindsight going like, oh, okay, yep, that, that makes sense. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but something I do want to talk about is Elaine in these two chapters, how we're starting to see her step up a little bit, how when she kind of was with Egyanin and they're outside the Panarch's Palace and she was like, I can't be this frightened child. I'm going to be a queen of Andor. And I love that moment where she accesses the... Access is uh, Sidar, right? It's Sidar for women. Sidar. Um, and tells Egyon, open the doors for me. I'm going in. And she literally, like, Egyon <laughs> kicks the doors open and uh, they, she binds the black sister in there with uh, air. and Or no, she shields her. And then she binds Amethera with air. And Amethera's like, uh, you can't do that to me. I'm the Panarch. And Elaine just kind of goes, well, that's cute. I'm the daughter heir of Andor, and you're going to listen to me, or I'm just going to leave you here for the Black Sisters to find you. Okay? Okay? And Amethera's like, fine. It's it's a great moment for Elaine to step up, because we've kind of seen her take... Not... we've We're starting to see Elaine grow up a little bit. Because I think, as we've known her, she's kind of been the princess. She's been the rich kid yeah. on vacation. And so we're start- she's starting to go, this isn't summer camp after all. <laughs> <laughs> like. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's nice to see yeah. that. Yeah, no, she's some yeah, growth. some growth and and less of just a a foil device, and now very much a. I'm, I'm excited to see her journey because much like I think, like I said, I I think they're all going to kind of spread out a little bit more and they're going to kind of deepen and grow on their own. Uh, Elaine is probably the one I'm probably top three that I'm excited for to see how that story is going to start to twist and turn and how she kind of takes that on and everything. So I'm excited. She's getting a bit of a, got a little bit of a spotlight on the way out. All right. Awesome. And so we kind of leave the girls in Tanchico still. Um, They give the sad, the male Adon to Bail Doman and they say, find the deepest water. Daddy (laughs) Doman. Honestly, the dilfs of time, honestly. Dilfs in my wheel hey, of time. I mean, again, Dilf, it's right it's here more with me. I mean, we got Bail Doman, Ruark, Tamalthor, um, Gareth Bryn, Tom. Tom. Uh, I mean, TV show Tom. I don't think. Look, I have a T-shirt that says Tom fucks, and so I'm going to keep that on brand. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, but Bail Doman says, "Yeah, sure, I'll take this away." He says he's going to drop it in. I. I am not even going to. Pretend I'm pronouncing this correctly. Ale Somera, which God knows where that is, but Daddy Doman is going to take that away, and uh, they're going to go to drop off the seal to the Dark One's prison in Tarplon, and then Nynaeve's like, I'm going to go get me some Mandragoran dick. And that's where we leave them, because she's like, you know what? Fuck it. If Egyanen and Bail Doman, whatever's going on between them can happen, you know what? I'm going to make it work between... Uh, me and Lan. So, you know what? I appreciate her stepping out, doing what she needed to do, and good for her. Hope she finds she's it. Gonna, she's going to go have a hot girl summer. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And I, I do appreciate from having Nynaeve's point of view here um, regarding just the Sean Chan in general, because we have seen throughout this book that, um, you know, that Aginan in particular, you know, having her own struggles, you know, Aginan is a smart woman. She's a savvy person. And she's like, wow, you know, I, my, the, the Empress sits on a throne of lies. (laughs) And so like, um, to have Nynaeve be there and be, and to sort of even acknowledge that, you know, this is someone who cared about me enough that she was ready to go after me into some real tough shit. Um, and you know, that, you know, she's, human enough to think that, you know, Bail Doman is hot as shit. Yeah. Um, so there is, we like to, as the, our friends at the Wheel Takes podcast like to call it some hot nuance here <laughs> um, with regard to the Sean Chan. Yeah. Like that's been one of my crowning things about this book. And it's one of my top three things that uh, the kind of arc of Egyanen and we see someone starting to question the propaganda that they're raised in and, you know, I'm curious to see how my feelings towards Aegean and changes and for Eric to experience this arc because I think it's a fantastic and wonderfully nuanced uh, take on people we thought were, I mean, they still are just horrible, horrible people, but we get a glimpse behind the curtain. Um, and what we, and, but we don't get that with the white cloaks because we're going to hop on over back to the two rivers. Oh boy. Oh my God. Fuck the white cloaks. Excitement cloak. here. Fuck the white This cloak. chapter was a ride. <laughs> I mean. Even on, this is my, like my fourth reread through and I was still like, damn, I need a drink. <laughs> um, my favorite thing is 
Perrin Ibarra, aka I am not good with women, is sitting in the wine spring inn and he writes a letter to Fayo going Spitting bars. I will not ask your forgiveness for what I did. I do not know if you could give it, but I will not ask. You are more precious to me than life. Never think I have abandoned you. When the sun shines on you, it is my smile. When you hear the breeze stir through the apple blossoms, it is my whisper that I love you. My love is yours forever. Perrin. Like, honestly, he's got more game than Rand and Matt combined. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's just a great little, like, oh, I'm not good with women. And he writes this beautiful love letter to her. And he, like, he wraps it up with their uh, marriage bow, with their marriage ribbon, and puts it on the mantle. And he's like... Um, so we find out that there are thousands of Trollocs coming to, coming at them from the north and the south. And again, this is a moment that kind of choked me up a little bit. He goes out and he sees the women of the two rivers, uh, with their weapons. And they tell him, we, uh, if they break, if the Trollocs break through the men line, men's line, we have told the children where they're supposed to go, but we're seeing now every one of the two rivers is fighting, you know? And this chapter's almost like the... Not the end of the arc of the two rivers growth from this, like, sleepy little village, but we're seeing Manetherin rise again. Yeah. I mean, from the beginning of the story, you know, you know, with Moraine there in the two rivers in the eye of the world telling, you know, the tale of the fall of Manetherin, um, you know, we... I mean, we've been kind of living with bolts from the two rivers and seeing, you know, where they step up and where yeah. they fail. And then, you know, to see these other people that, you know, are essentially from the same stock, you know, that any one of them probably could have ended up in the same position and had the same kinds of failures and successes. Like, I mean, reading this again really cemented for me, like, just how much, like, I fucking love the two rivers vibe. Like, you know? It's it's the fuck around and find out yeah. of the wheel of time. I mean, those those are the names of the two rivers. Fuck around. Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> it's what are they? What are the actual names uh, of it? It's fucking uh, the Manetherin Drell and the the fucking the other spring. one. But no, they're actually uh, you know Emmonsfield, a little village in between the rivers of fuck around oh and find god. out. Well, yeah, no, because. <laughs> There you go. That's your episode around, title, Stephen. The rivers fuck around and find out. <laughs> oh my god. No, because um, Perrin watches like these women go ham. Like Daisy Congar neatly severs someone's <laughs> spine with a pitchfork, and yeah. it's just like Alsbet Luhan, whose helmet doesn't fit because her braid's too thick. That woman is my and, like, hero. Like the Cawthon girls, like Bodwin gets lifted up by her braid, and then um, the youngest one just goes like it is full tilt it is phenomenal coffin I... sisters no wonder matt's such a, a weasel i mean growing up with sisters like oh, that yeah. come on. and i love how parent even notes there's something of matt's smile and abel's smile and i'm like <laughs> i am so i love that see it makes me think that abel tam and parent's father were all besties um and i will hold to that but um, the shit bags, the white cloaks. So earlier on, like, they heard about the advance of the Trollocs and were like, we're leaving. And Perrin's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, I thought you were going to stay. And it's like, well, 
we'll just we're just gonna go back to Watch Hill. You got you you're a dark friend. And Perrin's like, You seen me kill the Trollocs, my dude, and it's like you could have brought them here yourself. It's the like you know, this is some straight up QAnon it bullshit is... right here. Every, answer for everything oh. right here. Dane Bordhald and Jared Byard. It is okay? just like I was showing my mom the Daniel Green video recapping Dragon Reborn, and he said they're the mo- they're, they represent the ego of fanaticism. Just the we are the answer. It's just like oh, okay, okay, cool. So you will take hard proof in front of you that Perrin is not a dark friend because. This man is saving his village and is actively fighting Trollocs and go, right. So he's a dark friend. And like, <laughs> we'll literally look, watch him fight and kill the Trollocs and go, dark friend. Got it. Like, he's just, he's playing the long con. He's doing the <laughs> long con of it. It's like, you fucking idiots. Like, are you serious? And then Perrin has to go back into the, okay, if you stay and help us out, you can arrest me. And they're like, oh, okay, bet, dude. And then fucking after all the dust settles, after Fayil comes riding in with the Watch Hill men and the Devon Ride men come in and it's this great, fantastic moment. It's like when... Um, it's fucking Gandalf coming from the east at dawn. On <laughs> oh, day. Yeah. Thank it's God you right had the there. full thing because I was like, it's like when Gandalf at Helm's Deep... <laughs> My Lord of the Rings. Look... I'm a Tolkien simp right here, you know, just, just ask me and you um, But yeah, no, the Fayil coming in and she's like, I led a group of men, even my cousin Queen Tenobia hasn't even done that. And they have a moment where... Smashing glass ceilings, we love it. Oh yeah, girl boss, girl boss Fayil. Um, but they have a moment where they kind of talk and Fayil's like, hey, you need to like, let me know when you're angry with me. Like, can you please communicate with me when you're angry? And Perrin's like, all right, I'll do that. And you know he's not. He's going to be like, why is Fayil angry? Uh, she says, mother says the worst thing father ever did to her was vow never to be angry with her. It took her a year to force him to take it back. And she says he was hardly fit to live with long, hardly fit to live with long before then from holding in. You will be angry with me, Perrin, and I with you. If you want to make me another wedding vow. Uh, you will not hide it when you hide it when you are. I cannot deal what you will not let me see my husband. My husband. I do like the sound of that. And I think that's been the issue of Perrin and Fayil's relationship is she'll be like, what's wrong? And he's staring at the window. You wouldn't understand. It's like, <laughs> then let me. And I don't know. I... I can get Fayil's frustration with him because it's like, homeboy, we need to talk. Like, I'm not a child here, you know? Um, but we see Gaul and I believe Bane are fighting side by side. Like, their blood feud. Chiad. Chiad. Uh, are fighting side by side. Evidently, their blood feud squished. And, you know, I think, I think, I think they fucked. I mean, it's kind of the, it's, it's a pretty, it would be a pretty standard, like, enemies to lovers trope, right? You know, you have the Goshin Ail and the Sharad Ail with their, you know, the blood feud for 400 years, um, you know, and, and Shiad's near sister or first sister is, you know, another, another Sharad. So it's like, there's already a, like a bridge yeah. here, kind of, but because Gaul is a stone dog and not a maiden, it's kind of like, you know, I just basically have to give this, I have to 
you know, give this guy yeah. shit eternally. I can't possibly know that. I can't possibly let him know that I actually would like to play Maiden's Kiss with him. <laughs> Communicate? Me? In my Wheel of Time books? <laughs> what? Ex- um, Surely not. It was it was so cute, though, like, to have them fighting side by side, you know, and um, and Gaul, you know, wounded and stuff. I, uh, I wasn't here for the episode that has one of the most iconic moments in the Wheel of Time, but, like, you know... Gaul, uh, Gaul basically like getting a piggyback ride from the oh, oil deal here at the front of like a horde of Trollocs. And then us like, you know, following that up with him and Shiad fighting back to back. Like these are some of Gaul's like shining oh, moments here. Like that's my man I think right there. My best, my favorite moments are uh, from Dragon Reborn when he's first freed from the cage. Do you like to dance, Paradibara? Is that him? Is that Gaul? That is oh, one. Yes. God. Yep. Uh, the, like, the, the white cloaks show up, and, like, Gaul, like, finally stands up straight, because he's like, sorry, my legs aren't really working very well. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I bet they aren't. Um, and then he's like, do you like to dance, Perrin Ibarra? And then just fucking goes into some oh, Matrix yeah. shit, and Perrin's like, oh no, he's hot. <laughs> sorry, Eric, you're, you're welcome to the Stonewall oh, yeah. portion of the show. You will enjoy it, and you will love it. Uh, but I, my crowning moment is when they're in the fucking stalls of te- uh, stables of tear, and Gaul like does this like kick in the air, turn, lance, and he's like, <laughs> "We will fight them." Fucking yeah, I love ahead. it. It's um, I have the video somewhere in the channel, but it's the uh, Leslie Jordan, uh, the little like southern actor. He's like telling a story, and it's just a snippet of him twirling over him going watch me daddy watch me dance and i'm like that's literally gall watch me dance parent watch me <laughs> um but the shit had white cloaks um parents like where they go and they're fucking pristine marching out and they're like who is it that says they were on the green and the women had to come save you was that was that days conger because I have to say, I've kind of, like, loved Days Conger from the first moment I met her. Like, her and her skinny husband. Oh. Like, you know, Coplins and Congers, they're the enemy. But, fuck, I mean, Congers showed it up. It was, uh, God, is it, it's not Marin Alvear. Oh, shit, this is far further back. Here at, uh, Loyal's Book Club, we are thoroughly researched and we are ready. Um... I mean, I asked a pretty obscure. Oh, question it was Daisy Conger. Like, which one of the women was it that said that? Who ratted I mean, out the white? You books? would think I would have this in my notes, but like, we could start a whole bonus episode of "Here's Everything I Forgot." Rand found out that the wise ones are listening in on his dreams. Like, there's so many things where I go, "Oh right, oops." I take notes and I still forget these things. <laughs> um, but yeah, Daisy Congar is like. Yeah. It was Daisy Conger, and I so. Found it. The white yeah. folks are like, all right, come with us, parent. And he's like, you guys didn't even fucking help. And they're like, but didn't we, though? We watched you. We watched the dark friend at work. And parent's like, fuck y'all. And then uh, Dane starts to go for a sword, but then, like, every single person. It's that Avengers yeah. moment, right? At the end with Loki, they're all pointing it their is... weapons. Like, fucking it try it. It is the end game. Don't worry. He's got help. Listen, I felt pandered to in that moment, but I still loved it. <laughs> yeah, don't. I mean, come on. I'll, I'll take some fan service. I'm not going to complain. Um, and so Dane goes, okay, fuck y'all. I'll see you hang, Parent Ibarra. And so 
my question for Eric is, and so uh, the chapter ends, uh, uh, well, parents' POV ends with uh, them, Perrin and Fayil, heading back to the wine spring to the chant of Golden Eyes as Manatherin has been reborn. Um, do you think Fires of Heaven is going to be kind of the showdown between Perrin and uh, Dane? Like, that's I mean, it's definitely it's definitely got to be like in there, especially with like how religiously mapped uh, the White Cloaks are with you know the hunt for Shadow Spawn and everything. There's yeah. there's there's a ton of religious overlay here, um, so I'm definitely hoping because. I fucking hate the white cloaks now. <laughs> I was holding out for them and I thought this was going to be such a cool uh, coalition in the making. And after this, I'm just like, they, they can all choke. No, they're literally watching innocent people die. And Perrin calls him out. He's like, you're watching people die. And for what you claim you can find a dark friend. Like you mm-hmm. you could just as easily earn the people's favor and earn their trust. And like, if they did that, they could easily go to you and be like, hey, something gen... Or it's like, you're doing nothing but sowing discord and hatred, but you act like you are these, like, pure beings. It's like, no, y'all are not white cloaks. Y'all are shit cloaks. Yeah. Right. Now, like, set aside the patriarchy for a moment. They let the women go and fight before they went oh, in yeah. for that. And all of, as part of this, you know weird conspiracy theory rhetoric that's coming from, let's be honest, it's coming from oh, Jar yeah. Fire. You know, because Dane's just there with his flask of brandy, okay? This man is drunk yeah. and sad. This is not the brunch he wanted it to be. And Bayar is the internet troll that found this drunk, oh sad God. boy and started filling his head with this nonsense. And so, you know, this is my opinion here. But, you know, because Dane's oh, a yeah. shithead, obviously. Um but Bayar is another, is, you know, he's the fanatic who's been whispering in his ear. And we can't forget about Ordeeth. And, Dalen, you probably have something about this, because there was an Ordeeth yes. point of view. So, Ordeeth is watching this. Pat and Fane is watching this shit furious, because he was like, this was my time to shine. This was going to get Randall Thor. I was going to kill Randall Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Twirls his mustache. and but like This one did come across as Scooby-Doo more than oh, Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you one day, yeah. Althor. Or Ivara, you know, sub for hero of your choice. I hate all of the dark friends equally. Rand Althor, Perrin Ivara, Macaroni Cawthon? Ma- <laughs> Macaroni Cawthon? But Fane still has his little, like, group of white cloaks that he's, like, forced into, like, guarding him. And he is going to go to Camelin and then off to Tarvalon. Because what is that, Tarvalon? His dagger. His precious. His precious. His little precious. I've always, I've said, Pat and Fane is a really nice person to check in on because he's also just creepy and horrible and such a different uh, vibe of villain and antagonist than like the White Cloaks, the Forsaken, the Shan Chan. Because he's human but he's so corrupted and so just like there's nothing human left to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is how we leave our uh, himbo husband, Perrin, um, until we until fires of heaven, Perrin, until fires of heaven. And so 
We catch up with our sad boy, Rand. My sad, tragic son. They have finally arrived at uh, the Golden Bowl. I am not going to try to say what it is. Alcare doll. And... You got it. That's how they say it in the... Well, they also say Roy Dawn, and I'm like, well, that's not correct, Kate uh, and Michael. Well, they say Rudion. There's like a, there's an E in there, Rudion. That's what they say in the audiobooks. Anyway, it's not like I've only ever listened to this series on audio, and I can't say it any other way. I apologize. Carry on. Oh, in the chapter that I was listening to, and I realized I'm not going to tell Eric what the chapter was, because it's a massive. Anyway, um, so they get there, and um, all the clan chiefs are there. Asmodian, Lanfear, Hadnan Kadir, and Asandra are there. And um, so they, we finally meet Savannah, who is kind of, you know, chilling with Kooladin. Talk about tits, tits out, out for Kooladin. Like, she is just, like, she has her tits out. She has a glass of wine with her. She is watching this all go down. And you know what? Cheers to you, Savannah. <laughs> um, so... This whole chapter is fucking amazing because it's one like gut punch after the other. Because Kooladin comes out and goes, uh, "Guess what, everyone? I am the Dragon Reborn," and undoes his sleeves, and he has the golden dragons on both arms, which is such a mind fuck. Like, no, for a second, this actually this threw me off so much. I had to put it down and walk away for a second because I thought this was I thought this was like the big twist that was going to spiral out, and it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a great it's a great moment on its own, but I this honestly was such a what is going on right now? How did this happen? Right? What the fuck? Rand's right yeah. there mm-hmm. with you. He's like, what? It, How? How? He keeps yeah, saying that it's again. Like, How? It it threw me. I remember, and even now reading, it's just this like perfect moment of we've seen Kooladin has started to like when they first arrive at Cold Rock's Hold. Um, he smirked at Rand. And we kind of know that Asmodium was chilling with uh, the Shido. And so we know he probably had the dragon marks on his arm since Cold Rock's Hold. Um, and it also kind of makes it interesting. There was a moment in uh, the last episode where we talked about how when Kuladin met uh, Ruark's wife, the roof mistress, um, when she kind of rejected him, he grabbed his forearms, and I went, "Ah, because of the dragon." Ah. I this series very much benefits from a reread, Eric. I've kind of said that a lot, but it's one of those things you pick up on those little like oh, reread the Wheel never. of Time. Well, I'm not reading this. Surely, no. this isn't my third time finishing the Shadow Rising. <laughs> um, and so finally, it's a showdown between Kooladin and Rand, and then finally Rand. It's again, Rand brings change. Such a great oh, visual moment, right? You can see it. Like Rand Kooladin trying to work the crowd and yell at them, and then Rand just oh calmly like pulling up his sleeves and Chills. like holding him up. And then even that moment where I gave a little like ooh when Rand goes, What did you see in Ruidian? And Kooladin's like, Oh, we are amazing. We the Aiel have always fucked. We are awesome. That's a holy yeah. place. I'm sorry. We can't talk about things that are holy. And now yeah. I am holy. Mm-hmm. And then when he literally says, "I am holy," I fucking I would I would yeah. spit take. It fucking is fucking spit take. Like Kooladin, 
the Coolidin has been hyped up by Asmodian so much. And I think Asmodian knew Coolidin was kind of a flop. Like, he was just like, all right, let's let this dude, let's let him have his fun. And, you know. Um, so Rand then goes, no, you know what? He tells, and his voice is carrying to all of the clans that are in the bowl. He says, no, we we were, we followed the way of the leaf. We were Dai Shen Ail. And that fucks everybody up like you start to see everyone like uh just taking it all in and then the five uh clan chiefs name rand as the karakarn he is the dragon re- he is he who comes with the dawn Kuladin tries to kill rand to no avail and rand takes his fat man angrio conjures up a storm and who should come swaggering studying uh Wait, 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 hold up. You just missed an opportunity. Randolph Thor made it oh. rain. <laughs> oh. Uh, play Lady Gaga featuring Ray, uh, Ariana Grande, Rain on Me. <laughs> um, or play uh, Hillary Duff's Come Clean. No, it's, it's such a great moment because we see Rand, he's accepting his responsibility to the Aiel a little more. He has the Maidens of the Spear as his guard which I love the Maidens of the Spear so much. And... Farderai's my, carries my honor. Oh, and I love that they right got there. Rand shit-faced on Uskwai. Like... Oh my god, I literally wrote that down because I listened to it like an hour ago. It was so adorable and so cute. What did I say? Um, I think I said, LMAO, the Maidens got Rand drunk and tickled him. Laughing emoji, oh my crying god. emoji. And he... they The fact that... Like ran did all those shots, and they had to like take him to bed, tuck him in. I'm like, I <laughs> love this. Almost like <laughs> sometimes a family can be one uh, sad boy and hundreds of warrior women. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm here for it. It's so it cute. So oh my god. And um, I mean, who who hasn't who hasn't done that before? Exactly. Who hasn't been? I mean, because it's like he's he's like both all of their son and all of their brother. You know, kind of like that, that whole vibe. I forget exactly what they say to him, um, but it's like, you know, you're the only son of a maiden that, you know, that they've ever, um, you know, the only one that they've ever really yeah. known for sure. So it's just like, you know, like getting drunk yeah. with your siblings, um, even though like next day is like kind of awkward for him because he's still <laughs> sad boy Rand. He's still but, angsty. You know, he laughed yeah. with them. They made him laugh. Okay. And Farter Eyes Mike can carry my honor because... Yeah. Those are my bitches. You ha- they carry great G. Um, but he has an interaction with Moraine and Egwene, which um, I'm certainly not picking up the book again and kind of skimming because his relationship with Moraine is getting more and more strained. I mean, it's been getting strained since the Dragon Reborn because Moraine is losing control of Rand. And she even said, like, if I had my way, it would be just me and Rand, and I could control, I could do what I need. And she's lost that control. And, um. But yeah, so there's a conversation here, Moraine and Egwene. Um, I mean, I have to, I, I have to have, I've mad, I mean, I have got mad respect for Moraine kind of overall. Um, you know, especially since, like, of all the people that are dealing with this situation, you know, she has also got a big old shit sandwich yeah. she needs to eat. Um, and that shit sandwich is named Stubborn Ass yeah. Randall Thor. Um, 
And like Rand's stubbornness and all everything he does, totally understandable. He that's my boy there too. But like Moraine and her like this desperation that you've been feeling from her. Um, and then, you know, she had to go freaking naked into Rudion. Thanks yeah. for that, Robert Jordan. You know, women have to run titties out, but men can go fully clothed. I hope Rape, no problem. Change, rape changes um, that. Um, all the men are naked. It's on. It's equality. Right. We don't need to, <laughs> instead of giving, or like, just swap it. Right. Moraine gets to have clothes, but they got to go dick swinging. Okay. Dicks out um, for Rudion. Dicks anyway. out for Rudion. <laughs> Dicks out for. You had. <laughs> You had a point to make about uh, this conversation with Maureen and Egwene it's just a and Rand. Interesting note to leave their relationship on because we know something is up with Maureen. Egwene noticed that something that she saw in Ruidian has fueled this more desperation towards Rand, and we still don't know what it is. And I think we've started to see a shift more in also Rand and Egwene's relationship because I think while they still have that sort of sibling vibe to them. Something's shifting, especially with Egwene being closer to the wise ones. Um, and it's really... And Ram says they have a secret to keep from him. Do we know what that secret is? Did I forget about it, or do we uh, not that know Rand and Egwene, uh, Moraine and Egwene are keeping from him? Yes. Um, I know more. I mean, if we don't know what it is, awesome. Yeah, I, I, forgot. I... <laughs> I mean, I had to... I skipped from... You know, we're about to get spanked in the ways to, you know, the end of the series when all the shit goes down, okay? There's a whole lot in between. I know, more, I, I know we don't know Moraine's secret. Um, as to what Rand, uh, Moraine and Egwene's secret, I cannot remember. Um, but So then that's my answer. No, we don't know what their secret is. Any speculation, Eric? What do you think yeah. they're keeping from Rand? Because <laughs> I'm not sure either. So this is, you know, let's speculate. Well, I think... I think Moraine has a bit of a uh, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster relationship going on with Rand. And I think while, you know, he was somewhat randomly selected or maybe not so randomly, like he was always going to be the Dragon Reborn, but she keeps pushing more and more and more. And I do think that, like, I keep thinking back to Min's vision about how Gwen and Rand are going to be forever intertwined but not how they think and i think that like goes to their you know uh thinking romance was for them or something but i think i think they know that rand like rand has a finite timeline for whatever plan whatever big thing is going to happen yeah uh i'm really thinking that he's being used for some larger purpose i think Egwene is being enlightened uh to a little bit of this um but like I think I, I I think we have it recorded. One of my predictions is that Rand will be stilled uh, at some point. Uh, Do you think? I think. Oh, sorry. Well, mm. well, because I does this also tie Rand being still tied into your prediction of him dying at the end of the next book? Or it's that I think I think Moraine or Gwaine, one of them either saw it in Ridian or know it from some other thing that they will have to put an end to Rand somehow. Uh, so. She went into the Redstone doorway. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So she's got loads she's got, of info. You know, She got the columns and she got so the She's fin. probably trying to find a way to circumvent that, but there are inevitabil- inevitabilities, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do think... She's also talked to yep. men. 
which is something I don't think we ever, we don't know what Min saw and what yeah. Min has told Moraine as well. So Moraine has got a whole lot of like prophecies and symbology and predictions mm -hmm. rattling around in that old Aes Sedai head of hers. And then Rand even makes a comment about Egwene. Egwene had Aes Sedai eyes, like dark yeah. and unreadable. So, you know, Egwene is keeping secrets now too, which like, you know, it's kind of sad for him because he's seeing like his, you know, his, his folks from the two rivers, you know, drift further and yeah. further mm -hmm. away from him. I mean, Matt's um, been like, and like, you know, keeping secrets and stuff, but he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Cause he's like, you know, I've got secrets too. And you know, I'm not trusting them. You know, they're not trusting me, you know, yeah. which came first, <laughs> the chicken or the chicken. Or the the yeah, I mistrust yeah. or my own mistrust, you know? And I mean, Rand ends this book with a huge fucking secret. If he has a male forsaken bonded, uh, sealed and he's right? teaching it him is like, crazy do you think moraine's gonna do you think moraine and oregwain will find out who uh oh absolutely oh absolutely this is not going to go well at all this is this is not this is this is oh my god this is like the biggest red button so there's one of my favorite tropes happening here and it's that someone has a secret that they need to keep and the only way that they can keep that secret is by being more of an uh -huh. asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Like like the the journey that Rand began in the Great Hunt by being a total dick to Perrin uh and Matt, like he has to like kind of pick that up again. And he's like, Well, you know, I have well, here's my personal gleam in, and people are gonna be like, What the <laughs> fuck, bro? And he's like, you know what? I'm the Dragon Reborn. Why shouldn't I have a fucking gleam in? Okay? Why shouldn't I want to hear silly songs at night? <laughs> Why shouldn't Asmodian play Wonderwall? Right? I'm Randall Thor, and I'm yeah. Jason the Tate. Yeah, it's... it's a little, you know, little Larry the Cucumber. And oh, my God. I love me some veggie tails. Mm. <laughs> I was about to say, it's nap times for silly songs. If, if you With like Randy. to torture your mother, if you like, um, I'm definitely calling it now that the the bit of the bewitching that Lanfear did of like either bonding him or doing something. It seemed like there was a time limit that he wouldn't be able to get away for a couple of months. This shit's gonna boil over exactly when that goes up. I I personally guarantee it. Well, that's, that's what I see. Well, that's what I'm wondering is because she mentions other male forsaken who she's like, I brought out Asmodian for you. And uh, she's like, you know, uh, do you think they would be as chill? Uh, uh, she says, like, it had to be Asmodian. Do you think like Demandred or Robin or Samael, they would have killed Rant in an instant. So do you think there is a sort of, false sense of security that Asmodian is letting uh, Lanfear and Rand being let into? I, I definitely think at the very least uh, this this places Asmodian as the most dangerous and immediate Forsaken. Like, even if he is cut off from the Dark One, which, by the way, that was a dope-as-shit twist. Oh, uh, yeah. that, that whole moment. That was super cool. But even without that, you know, he, he still is who he is. Oh, yeah. uh, and I'm really worried, man. Like, I'm just, I'm worried that he's going to get off the chain and make a little trouble. And there's so many good people nearby that are going to get caught in the crossfire. It's, it's, it's going to get ugly. Yeah. It's, it is not looking good for, uh, 
Brandon Allen Thor. Brandon Allen Thor. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Something we skipped over a little bit, like because I, my brain is in curiosity, wondering mode of like, what's going to happen? What's this? What's that? Uh, the Trollocs screaming out. Uh, oh my God! Isom. 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 Uh, who the? F- okay, the way that Michael Kramer says that, by the way, is fucking terrifying. Isom. So like, Isom. Um. Read and find out, man. We can Yeah, talk. so... Yeah, Perrin's like, I don't know what the fuck well, that even means. Even Viren noted, she was like, hmm. But Ordit says it too, doesn't he? No. What does he say? Does what he? sounded like... I don't remember. Um. <laughs> you know, go on. But yes, yeah, so the Trollocs uh, start chanting a word. Trollocs don't chant like, very no. much. And it's a word I hadn't seen before, uh, so I made sure not to uh, take to Google, just to keep myself in the dark. Never Google. Always ask the Discord channel or ask me, because you will get spoiled. Um, Yeah, in that moment, um, yeah, there's also another thing that we skipped. Viren tells Perrin, do you really know what your marriage to Fayil Bashir means? Because we know who her cousin is and her, who uh, Davram Bashir is. So there's a lot of political ramifications that I think Perrin doesn't realize. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I found uh, yes. I found the thing. So what happens is in Ordit's kind of like Gollum mode here, um, uh, everything had been going according to plan. Even Isom had played into his hands. Why did the fool stop bringing Trollocs? He should have brought in enough to turn the two rivers black with yeah. them. So Isom is our boy who's been letting the trial mm, Yeah, in. And so we already know uh, so we already knew Slayer slash Luke was br- uh, bringing in the Trollocs. Do you think Isom is a third party? Like he's kind of like helping out Slayer Luke on the or what do you think? Yeah I think we got like kind of like a black arms dealer here like very much either a high caliber or independent dark friend who was able to do some uh, some pretty big things because <laughs> it sounds like he's almost like directly in control of the Trolloc numbers. I don't know if that means he's like creating them like uh, like Saruman in Lord of the Rings and his Orkai and stuff. I don't know if we got kind of that parallel trope going on. Uh, all I know is, yeah, Trollocs don't speak much, so when they do, I get scared. <laughs> it's originally Narg. In the first book, Narg Smart was the first right. speaking Trolloc, but we also can attribute Narg to a little bit of early installment weirdness because Moraine did, like, she made herself, like, 20 feet tall in, like, uh, in Bear Lawn, and she stepped over the wall. She made herself... So... Whether Narg is kind of still part of that Trolloc lore and what Isom means, we'll just kind of have to find out. But I'm also wondering what Viren knows because she has continually, she asked Perrin, what are you going to do? When are you going to finally give up the axe and take up the hammer? And he's noticed she's been fascinated by his hammer and not the way that I've been fascinated by Perrin. (laughs) (laughs) There is no, there is no way I can, there's no oh way I can God. make that not sexual. There's no way. No, so you just made it the most 
Who among us is not fascinated by Perrin's hammer? <laughs> I mean, Varen did say that she would stick around with him if she yeah. had to marry yeah. him. Um, so, kind of leaving Varen and Alana, you said you didn't... Do you still think Vir, uh, Alana is going to bond Perrin? Because she has yeah. made those weird threats of like, oh, don't worry, I would never bond a man. And then, uh, this is me winking. Wink. I can't wait. Yeah, like I, I, I think so. It's like at this point, it's getting so big with people's intersecting agendas and how this is actually going to play out. It's the roster is getting so much larger yeah. uh, of just characters to to keep track of. Uh, possible, not probable. Uh, I do think uh, exactly like Master of the Deck was saying. Like I, I think the implications of parents' marriage is going to be kind of the next. Uh, obstacle kind of the next complication in in parents life <laughs> all right i have to say reading this for the first time um i had some thoughts about tam because mm. he was hanging out with them in that, yeah. in that mm-hmm. little hut the little hunter's that's right, cabin that's for a right. while alana and tam like i mm. like mm, uh something that was that was one of my early predictions oh. uh does not mm. need to be shared obviously but Hey man, I mean, if you've got Daddy Al Thor, like, who would you choose? Yeah, I'm, I'm Captain Hammer or. <laughs> I Daddy think I'm going to call it. I don't know if I've made this prediction yet. Maybe like way back, but I, I think Tam is like an an ex warder. Oh, I, I think. I, oh, spicy. yeah. You know, you are not the first person to have come up with this uh, mm. prediction recently that I've thought about. Because um, it's actually you're. It's a. It's a a rare but fun uh, topic of discussion mm-hmm. among first-time readers that I very Have much enjoy. Have we already met? Because we all like to speculate about yeah, Tam's past. We don't really know a lot about Tam, except uh, he fought in the Aiel War and he came back with a baby. You know? Mm-hmm. And he's got the heron-marked br- uh, blades. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a pretty big deal. Um, so I kind of want to go... Evans Fielder by Evans Fielder, Eric, and kind of get your uh, predictions for uh, Fires of Heaven for each one. So okay. I'm going to start. Rand. Uh, like just overall what's going to happen in the book and everything? Yeah, I think what is going to happen. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think very much close to the title. He's going to learn some. He's going to learn some stuff from Asmodian. Uh, I think he's gonna get manipulated with that power somehow, and possibly even like break like a seal to the prison or something like that. Like he's he's going to massively mess up under Asmodian's uh, tutelage. Because it sounds like almost like a sort of weave, the fires of heaven. Mm-hmm, exactly, and that feels very much like again. There's some religious mapping on there, but also just I'm thinking of the symbol like that that how it, how it feels to hear fires of heaven and yeah. you know the power and it feels very close to like the one power and like how explosive uh channeling is and everything so i definitely think we got some some tie-in right there and do you think so this manipulation by asmodi and this breaking of the dark one seal because i think nynaeve mentions there's four left i believe mm-hmm. that's only three i think mm-hmm. and so do you think a course of events are going to lead to his getting stilled by Egwene and Moraine and then his eventual death. 
in this. I think very possibly yes. I I think I think in this book, uh, Rand is gonna fuck up pretty royally. All right, and so uh, on that note, with Egwene, because we've seen her, she's becoming more Aes Sedai by the minute, and she's really adapting to the Wise Ones. Mm -hmm. And so, what do you think? Where we can with her? skills in Teleranriad and all of that, where do you think Fires of Heaven will take us with her? Yeah, you know what? I think she's going to go back to Tarvalon, and I think she's going to be a bit of a spy in the new tower and how it kind of has readjusted. I think she's going to be there to be uh, the eyes and ears for Moraine and like keeping up with what's going on and basically being a, a spy. Do you think, because uh, we've talked about in the past how we've kind of thought, we've you've been sort of working out Matt, Egwene, and I believe Loghain are going to help take back the White Tower. Right. And so do you still think these are the starting seeds of all of that? Definitely the start, because that's going to be such a massive uh, undertaking. And like we just had that change a couple of chapters yeah. ago. So I think we're still going to see kind of the, you know, that ripple effect of that action still happening. Uh, but yeah, I think like at least some of the maneuvering is going to happen. I think it's, you know, at least we're going to get some recontextualizing of what this all means uh, in the next book and kind of how, how the tower is going to operate now. For sure. And I mean, the sixth book is called Lord of Chaos. That could be easily Loghain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and so uh, Nynaeve, where we last left off with her, she and Elaine were still in Tanchico, but she means to go find Lan after going to Tarvalon. Do you think her plotline with Egwene will kind of intersect, or do you think, what do you think for Nynaeve for Fires of Heaven? Uh, kind of keeping up with my my earlier prediction of like the next book is going to be slightly more internal and like a little bit more focused on the character solely more than their interactions at large. I think I think. Nynaeve's going to be able to go on her own. I think she's going to get her time with Lan, and I'm, I'm really, really hoping that we just get a nice, a nice time to to hang out with with Lan and Nynaeve. I, I I think we've all earned it. Yeah, their little tropical vacation. Exactly. So they get their uh, weekend getaway in Fires of Heaven. Mm-hmm, Screaming mm-hmm. and fire burning in the background. <laughs> Do you need to get some more sunscreen on your back, Lan? <laughs> so. Uh, chill with Lance. Sorry, I'm writing all these down so I can put them in the mm-hmm, channel. Mm-hmm. Um, our boy Matri- uh, Macaroni Coffin. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be more of the same with him. I think he's going to be saying he doesn't want to do something and he's going to be exactly doing that. I don't know what it is. Uh, it'll, it might be more traveling with Egwene. I would love that because I think they're just such a, a neat pair to have together. Uh, and they're, they're so different. Egwene and Matt are a Mm-hmm. dynamic and they've always kind of been there you know because she you know, never thought she was gonna marry yeah Matt, so she just gets to yeah. treat him like uh-huh. a shithead because that's exactly but it's not like as parental or rough as Nynaeve is with him there there there's like a nice. tenderness like there's a friendship there almost but yeah. I would love to see more of that so I think yeah I could see him going back to the tower because where else would he want to go the least <laughs> uh, except to be with Aes Sedai. So I think finding him there again, especially with all the shit he's gone through in this book, just absolutely makes sense. So you think he's going to go to the tower maybe with Egwene? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's going to be, because one of Matt's crowning moments is when he beat the shit out of Gowan and Galad in Dragon Reborn. I mean, let's be real. 
Gowan needs a uh, good thumping. Do you think there's going to come like a part two? Do you think, do you think we're maybe going to see a re- the redemption of Gowan Trakand, or do you think he's going to be? Because we saw before uh, Min left Harvalon, he's either going to kill Egwene or worship at her feet. Mm-hmm. So do you think that maybe he sees what Egwene is planning with Loghain or something, and he's like, what? Right. Um. Shit. I don't know. As much as I'd love to see Matt and him kind of go toe to toe again, I, I don't know. Like I could totally. Uh, it's. I think it's gonna go bad. I, I think it's gonna go bad. I think. I think it's all gonna go bad with with Gowan. Uh, I really don't want it to be, but I do feel like there are some, uh, knives in the back coming. Some uh, some heartstrings being pulled uh, coming up. And I do think that's a character that is perfectly ripe enough to do a bit of that. <laughs> but also, fuck Gowan. Oh, fuck him so bad, dude. I Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's kind of all on his own. Yeah. Like, he's been told what to do his whole life, and now he has to make his own yeah. decisions. Like, his brother that he hero-worshipped isn't there to, like, make the right choice for him or, like, yeah. give him yeah. a model or whatever it might be. Or maybe has also disappointed him in some think, large yeah. way. Um, so, you know, like, absolutely, Gawain's a shit. But at the same time, it's kind of like... I get know, it. Like, yeah. I sympathize. I, I, He's the kid abandoned. needs a counselor, not a sword. <laughs> yeah, he needs therapy. Yeah. These are facts. <laughs> he needs somebody to yeah. tell him what to do. Men... Okay? This man needs a Men job. will literally a become a water to an Aes Sedai instead of going to therapy, and it is so infuriating. Oh my god. Oh my god. For a second, I thought you said Min. And I'm Min. Like, Min is going to become a water to an Aes Sedai. Oh, That's a fun That mention. would be badass. Oh shit. That would be. That would be. Amazing. Oh my god. Not, not a. Who? Which Aes Sedai? She would totally be like. I'd see her as a brown or a blue. Do you think like Min Oh god, and, I want that so much now. Do you think Min and Logain will kind of Do you think there's <laughs> been like a Min and Logain sort of thing? Like because she sees this glory to him that maybe she's going to kind of take it upon herself to kind of be like, "Okay, how do I mm-hmm. get this?" you know, especially when she hears a Gwaine is in the tower. Right. Maybe Logain stuff is like so up in the air because he's either going to be kind of like this rogue agent complication in the story or he is going to assemble a bit of a you know a following and be a a big a big huge thing that we need to address down the road yeah so like him and like min pairing up like small time together like that i don't i don't see it but i i haven't i haven't read the books yet so if you're suggesting it it, it'll happen maybe maybe i'll see it soon i'm suggesting nothing i'm merely who knows (laughs) Uh, and so finally, I, I, I will be excited to see more Logan though, because like as a character, like conceptually seeing him and stuff, like really did really good on like the world building and stuff. But I really want to meet him kind of face to face and get to know what he's about. It's mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's so mm-hmm. much mystery because we only Logan know right now. He's just this big sad daddy. Yeah, right okay? saddy daddy. daddy. <laughs> he is a twunk at best. He's like 27, 28. <laughs> Um, Loghain is older oh. than Galad. He is, uh, I so, believe he is Silver Fox, 30. then. So are you kidding me? 
are 30 years old as Silver Fox? Go fuck no. yourself. I will not. We are all... Speaking as the only person in this recording that is 30, you can go eat a dick and not in the fucking... Pers- like a trollic, okay? Just chomp chomp, all right? Dalen thinks eight-year-olds should vote. Shut <laughs> <laughs> Your perception of age is just so far. <laughs> hey, Eric, snap for us. I can't. We've already been through exactly. this. <laughs> All right. So um, what do you see for our uh, Captain Hammer, Captain Baron Boy? Yeah, I think he's going to be like the mayor of the Two Rivers. I think he's going to, you know, settle down where he's at. I think he's going to kind of oversee this uh, this flourishing of... Uh, of the two rivers. And I, I think he's going to be kind of like stuck there doing that. I think, you know, again, very much like Matt not wanting to be where, or how Matt's going to be where he doesn't want to be the most. Perrin doesn't want to be a Lord. Yeah. Like at all. He does not dig it. He's going to be a Lord. Oh yeah. Especially because they were like, Oh, the mayor and the wisdom, they, of uh, Devin's ride and watch Hill. They all right. chill with him. And he's like, I'm just a blacksmith. And Fyle's like, you're not a blacksmith anymore. You know? <laughs> Exactly. So I, I just see that kind of continuing and, and deepening. And uh, maybe the question will get answered of, of him taking up the hammer versus the axe. You All know, right. maybe that, that happens. All right. It starts building. Well, we will have to see in the fires of heaven. But um, I have uh, kind of a couple more questions uh, for you and for Master of the Deck. Uh, top three moments of the book. I mean, I kind of like gave it away <laughs> once already, but... Um... I, I suppose it's like the, not necessarily a moment so much as like the experience of Gaul and Loyal going to close the wake yeah. of Menethrin. That's definitely one of them. Because it's like, I'm a sucker for like a good side character, you know, a side character that like becomes yeah. more. And the Wheel of Time is one of those series where that gets to happen. Um, and so Loyal has like, in this book in particular, he got to show a couple of times that this yeah. that he's a mm-hmm. badass. And Gaul, you know, we've known as a badass this whole time. And then, like, you know, so Gaul and Loyal, like, going off to, like, you know, save the day and, like, you know, limp back into the two rivers, you know, successfully with a bunch of Trollocs behind them, that visual just sticks in my mind really well, you know? Like, you know, Gaul being carried by the big Ogier, they're just like, you know, like, we did it, but they're right behind us. That's a a top three for me. Uh, one of mine is definitely the Asmodee and Rand relationship that we have going on now. Right. I, I just think that is such an interesting kind of ballsy move in, in this fantasy. I think it's going to, I'm excited to see like, kind of like the layers we get to see back in kind of the, the context of a forsaken and kind of like yeah. what, what he's going to tip off kind of and, and what, what I'm personally going to learn about. So that's probably my favorite. Um, never gotten to see what how an, a Forsaken ticks on a level exactly. beyond I want to kill Randolph, you know? Exactly. For me, uh, one of my moments, sorry, is uh, the face-off between Mogadian and Nynaeve. Mm-hmm. Solid fucking moment. I mean, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. I think my number two is I gonna don't... be the return. Oh, I, I think ahead, it's gonna Eric. be the return to the two rivers. I love that we went back there. I yeah. love that we're back in the two rivers after, you know, our characters are thinking about it, pining it. I love that we actually go back and it's, it's a, it's a living, breathing part of the world still. Yeah. Love it. Transformation of the two rivers is a solid, solid moment. Mm-hmm. 
Alright, Master of the Deck, you're number two. I mean, it's been a while since y'all have been there, but I was just rereading the beginning of the book, and so some of this is fresh in my mind. And I have to say that um, Rand's part in that bubble mm -hmm. of evil, uh, when he has to fight his oh, reflections, yeah. um, and like not, not just the fight itself, but like the, the mindset that's going through him, the symbolism there that he has to fight himself, reflections of himself that are trying to kill him, and he has to absorb them inside of himself yeah. to defeat them. I'm like, I mean, Robert Jordan laying it on thick <laughs> um, right there. And uh, the cherry on top of this scene is Lan coming in here with his dry-ass humor, being like, I thought you taught yourself to shave better, <laughs> sheep herder. Oh <laughs> Rand is like literally dying of fucking exsanguination here on the bed and Lan is cracking jokes. Like it's iconic. It is. It's a, it's a great scene. I mean, it's great for Perrin. It's great for Matt, but you know, going from like Barrelane, you know, tits out to Rand having this like really intense, like symbolic yeah. emotional fight. And then like sandwiching like titties with Lan's bad jokes. Like oh, good, yeah. it's some good shit. Right I there. loved, um, Oh, God, I was just thinking about it. Oh, um, any interaction with the Isle Finn, with the Finn, especially Matt going into the doorway the second time, essentially banging pots and pans, going, fuck you, I hate it here, give me the answers that you need. And I think getting to see Matt's destiny of um, giving up half the light of the world to save it, marrying the daughter of the Nine Moons, um, to live... Dying. Yeah, mm -hmm. and what we got with Matt with the uh, the memories of the old battles, I think that's something top tier. That's it makes it one of my favorite books. You know, that's a fun. Where, what do you think is going to oh, happen yeah. with that, Eric? Oh man, I yes. so much. Okay, so I mean, you spec you probably speculated this in the past, but now that you've had like closure, the whole yeah, book right. is done. You know, and it's just Matt hanging out with the boys. Um, boy singular. <laughs> Sad boy. Um, Sad boy. Like, I is that like is that part of how you think? Like, you know, him going to Tarvalon, that like his battle, his. Battle I, I think he's is gonna he's like, going to be uh, on a search, you know, for some of these answers. Kind of like, what does this mean, and where where else better to look than the White Tower? Yeah. Um, no, and I, I, you know, it's great because we got like this great new mystery for Matt, but we don't have to get rid of all of Matt and what he is. So I'm hoping that he's still getting into mischief, making trouble. Um, but yeah, no. And I, I think, you know, especially in this book, I think that all is going to come out more. Yeah. Uh, kind of those memory flashes and him kind of like, you know, diving deeper into that. I think we're going to see a ton more of that. All right. And then, uh, so then I think I have one more question for you, Eric. So when we were doing the, Sha uh, the Dragon Reborn, you ranked your Emmett's Field 5 as, from top to bottom, your favorite to least favorite as uh, Perrin, Egwene, Matt, Rand, and Nynaeve. And so I'm wondering, now that you've finished The Shadow Rising, if that ranking has uh, changed? Uh, yeah, yeah, it absolutely has, All actually. Right. just uh, And how did we ever define how we rank the list? Is it just kind of a general... How do you Just feel? a general... Like, top of your head uh like yeah yeah your favorite of the five like right you were to open a pov chapter and you're like oh cool it's them you know not necessarily that you hate the person at the bottom of the list but you're just right like 
Totally. Uh, I think uh, Rand is going to take the top spot right oh. now. Coming, coming fresh off this book, there is. Oh. Hey, Rand, <laughs> let's go. There is so much growth that he went through in this book, like on a personal level, with like his trap placement, kind of his his devious plans, uh, and now again, like with this ending, this this kind of twisty ending of him working with a forsaken. Like, let's not mince words. That's exactly what he's doing. Oh, yeah. uh, it is just... He's working with yeah, Forsaken, exactly. basically. Uh, I just, I, I'm so interested to see where that goes and kind of see him maneuver all of that. Uh, second, uh, I'm going to give it to Perrin. All right. You know, he's, he dropped a place, but he's he's pretty pretty far up there. I love that he's learning. He's learning about love <laughs> with Fael. I just love that. Uh Perrin as a character in general is is one of my favorites, and I'm I'm very excited to kind of see him become a uh, a, a lordship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Next up is uh, next up is Egwene. All right. Kind of kind of digging how she's been accepted by the wise ones a bit. You know, we've always talked about her kind of being at that power level nine thousand and ambitious out of all of them. Uh, so I, I definitely. Th- think like we're seeing the track being put down for whatever end game she's a part of uh i I totally think she's got more places to go but i think she's gonna be a big player in a little bit i think like this is kind of the beginning stuff of uh her really ramping up all right uh which leaves uh matt and i nave and i would rank it that way uh all right yeah nave is at the bottom of your list she is. I love. I. She's. It's not a bottom of list. <laughs> like it's not like from you know right, zero to hundred. Right. Okay, it's just. You it, know, well, you know what it is. She's such a consistent character, kind of without mystery. Like all these other characters get like these really cool gifts of mystery and discovering, and she's growing. She she definitely like has places to go, but outside of seeing her with land and kind of her dealing with her being able to tap into the the power those are kind of the only two things I want to see from her and everyone else on that list. Like there are like three to five situations and scenarios that I'm kind of excited for want to see play out. So I think it's, yeah, it's not, it's not that I'm a, not a, not Eve Stan. Like I absolutely am woman is a queen, but there is, I think in my opinion, in my first time readership opinion yeah. at this point, it's kind of a boring part of the narrative just for what it is right now. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, just for my own two cents, there there are some things that I would like to see that would absolutely bump her up on my list. Like, I would love to see her in the Two Rivers again, you know, no longer as the wisdom, but as something else. I would love to see that yeah. and kind of how she reacts to that thing. Um, I would love to see her kind of, you know, take on more of a leadership role, you know, less than like the kind of the uh, the Field Five's mother. You know, she's like the mom friend. Yeah. I would love to see her like grow into that a little bit. So I've got a feeling in the next book, like, you know, I, I'm totally open to big twists, big turns and big displacements. I would be so excited for her to jump to the top of the list because of some new thing that's going on. Yeah. I would love it. Nanave is a very prickly character. I think I get what you mean when she's very consistent. You kind of know you're going to get Nanave's kind of, She's kind of had the same deal. Um, yeah, we get to learn more about her, but but it's 
it's not flat. It's just I I want to see her in some more like illuminating situations or yeah. or something that really tests her. Like oh my god, the 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 tests that she goes through at the White Tower was some of the best stuff I I'd seen I'd, I'd have of her just because it was such a specific situation for her to be in. Yeah. Um. So besides that, it's like it's a lot of just it, it's a lot of gal palling for me. I mean, uh, she did take on Mogadian. It's true. It's true. And. And that that was one of the moments when we had a little bit of there was some mm-hmm. dynamic there. Mm-hmm. I will I will agree to you that. Nynaeve is fairly predictable and has been pretty predictable up until mm-hmm. this point. You imagine a scenario and then you put Nynaeve in it, and probably seven out of ten times you could imagine what her reaction would be, and yeah. you would mm-hmm. be correct. Um, but then you know you put pit her up against a Forsaken and throw the block into the mix and all of that. We had that here in this book at the end. And we did get to see, acknowledge that she was terrified and have that revelation that, holy shit, I'm not just holding my own. I actually yeah. kicked her ass. And yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So I think that is something we can. And then she apologizes to yeah. Elaine. There we go. <laughs> Character growth. You know what that is? Growth. Growth yeah. mindset. Here we are. All right. Well, we got a journey ahead of us in Fires of Heaven, don't we? <laughs> uh but I think it's a good place to end this. Um, thank you, Master of the Deck, for chilling with us. This yes, fun. thank you for coming by. Of course, yeah. thank you for having well, we me. We want to thank all of you on our Discord server for chilling with us. Um, and we want to thank you, the listener who is listening to the clean, to the polished, edited version. And if you want to hear us get a little messy, come join our Discord server. You guys have a good, uh, a good one. May you always find water and shade. <laughs>